Brethren, finally, I'd like you to pray for yourself this evening. You have come, and I believe the Lord has a word for you. You have not come here in vain. You have not come here in vain. The Lord knew that you were coming, therefore he prepared the word for you. So I'd like you to pray and say, Lord, that word that you prepared for me, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Pray. Say, Lord, my heart is open. My heart is open. Send that word to me. Let confusion be taken out of my life. Give my life direction by reason of your word. In the name of Jesus, grant me understanding today. The bread for this season, Lord, I receive it. The bread for this season, I receive it. Open your mouth, pray for yourself, people of God. There is a word that the Lord has for you. Ask that the Lord will give you that word. Father, we give you praise. Blessed be God forever. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do amongst your people. Thank you because Jesus will be glorified. Thank you, Lord, because again, you have restored peace to this nation. We thank you because you have restored peace to Enugu State. We thank you, Lord, because you are giving our leaders wisdom. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, because the future of this country is great. Lord, we bless your name for your gospel that is filling this earth. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your men in the field. We thank you, Lord, for strength. We thank you, Lord, for supplying resources to them. We thank you. We thank you. Blessed be God forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. The Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. All the time. If you believe that, can you say a warm amen? Amen. All right, uh, let's just take our declaration of understanding, which uh, we always do when we want to study. Let's do that quickly, and then we'll sit down again. Are you ready? I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in our spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Okay, um, what I want to do is that I want us to... Which ones are we in? Yeah, we'll come to the end of the year, right before we, <laughs> I didn't even realize it. This year has been very eventful. From coronavirus to answers. Coronavirus, at least that one, we grab them. Answers, we welcome the riders on red horses. And they scatter many things for us. But it's good. It's good because um, no matter what, if the people of God, if you do the right things, even though you do them late, the power of forgiveness is that God will make it appear as if the wrong you did, all right, was even necessary for the good that he's going to bring out. Now, it wasn't necessary. It's just that that's how he will make it appear. His ability to forgive that makes it look like that. And the example is Solomon. Solomon was born by who? who what was the name of the mother of Solomon? Remember that was Uriah's wife? <laughs> that doesn't sound nice, does it? But that's his power of um, forgiveness. That's the power of resurrection. That's how God does these things. So sometimes he knows that his people will, they will go wrong. He knew that Adam will eat what he was not supposed to eat. He knew there would be dire consequences. But he said it's okay. By the time I finish correcting it, it will become irrelevant whether you ate or you did not eat. 
That's how he does. That's what is called forgiveness with God. That, you know, he rewrites the story in such a manner. You start wondering, where would David have, where would David have been if there was no Bathsheba? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because that was the only person that produced the hair worthy of the throne. Please don't be fooled. Don't go and take Uriah's wife. Oh. There's what is called mocking God. You mock God when you deliberately do evil, hoping that something good will come out of it. Like I said to us on Saturday, if you decide to go and disobey God, planning to tell him I'm sorry, you say no problem. I'll do you something that will make sure you never do it again. As good as he is, as loving as he is, as forgiving as he is, you don't mock, you don't mock him. You don't joke with him. You don't just get up and say, I will just do what is wrong. You understand? But sometimes you do what is wrong. Sometimes we do. Once you don't do them, sometimes the reasons why we do what is wrong, they are legion. One of them is ignorance. Paul said it. I persecuted the church, but I was ignorant. So God had mercy because I was ignorant. Sometimes we are not ignorant though. <laughs> David was not ignorant. So that's why he suffered. For what he did. Alright? But whatever be the reason why we do what is wrong, okay? When God forgives, it will make you look as if, I mean, you can, you will not be, you will find it hard to plot your life without that experience. Because of the good he will bring out of death. Because of life that he will bring out of death. That's how it behaves. Now, I just use our opportunity to drop something for us again. So, in our country, I believe that the church did very wrong. I believe that at least some people have been corrected. Almost everybody that have heard, that heard me teach, share my opinion about those things, they've sent me messages that they've been corrected. All right? And I'm happy for that. And when enough of the remnants take the correction of the Spirit, and the, what you do, of course, is repent in your heart. There are things you cannot undo. I don't know whether I get my point. There are things that are not within your power to undo, but that's left for God to handle. But if we approach him with a contrite spirit, you understand? He will undo what he has to undo. He will bring new life out of what should have been a dead situation. What I'm going to say is that in our nation, I believe all these things we have experienced in the last few weeks, good will come out of it. Now, where people make mistakes is that they will not want to plot it that it was necessary we did that. No, that's why I had to explain this. People don't know a lot of times what makes God do what he ends up doing for them. That's why the, the book you must read, first of all, is your Bible. Biographies are good. I've read quite a number of them too. Biographies of good men, great men, preachers, businessmen, world leaders. I've read quite a number of them. But you must read your Bible first. Because without faith, you will get no understanding. Because the Bible says, the earth by itself produces. The farmer himself does not know how. Sometimes people get things, you know, they tell you a story, but they miss the critical steps because they don't know. They're not trying to be wicked. They don't know. Except God gives you spiritual insight. You cannot interpret the things that are on the earth. It's faith that helps us understand that the things that we see did not come out of the things that were visible. But an average person doesn't know that. Why did you succeed in life? I used to wake up by 5 a.m. That was visible. Why did this succeed in life? You know, I sold my father's car when he was sleeping. I sold his land. I stole his documents. And I used the money to go to Harvard. 
And then I got an MSc from Harvard, and I returned to Nigeria. And then I connected with it. By the time I finished telling the story, then I leveraged upon this. You don't know. The other story you are telling. Your father, after he saw that you sold the car and sold his land, he looked and said, you are my only son. If I open my mouth. So he knelt down and said, Lord, have mercy on him. But that's not part of your story. Your mother had knelt down before him and said, let his sin be upon me. You don't know about that, though. Tell her how you went to Harvard. You got to do what you got to do. If you have a purpose, you have a vision, you have a drive, you know, you give it everything that it takes. Because it is boy. <laughs> if I left things the way they are supposed to be for you, I don't know where you're for day now. <laughs> but your mother knelt down and said to the Lord, he's but a child. Have mercy on him. She went to your father and said, let his sin be upon me. And your father said, don't worry about it. And two of them said to the Lord, forgive. And Jesus said to them before, whoever sin you release shall be released. So they released you from your sin. They said, go and sin no more. You'll be telling the story of Harvard forever. <laughs> you don't know it. That's why it is. You have to read the Bible. Forget all these story books you read. You can read them. No. Once they disagree with God, <laughs> cancel them. If they illustrate the principles of heaven, take them. Because many of the things that account for what we see on the earth, you never hear the story. The stories are not, the people can't even write it for you. There are things that, listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I speak out of spiritual understanding, okay? Some of the people in the, you are following, they are pure occultists who sold their souls to the devil for prosperity. Well, did you tell you became a billionaire in dollars before he turned 40? And you think he knew what he was doing? You don't know he went to a shrine and knelt down. In America. I don't mean in a Ubojobo. I mean in America. Then when you talk about shrines, you think it's only in Africa you have shrines. On Ubojobo people, they do. <laughs> I was watching the Sadhu Savaraja about two days ago. And he was just talking about why preachers should be careful and all of that. I said, good. Oh, God, tell us. This is what we need to hear. He said, do you know that Satanists, if I was talking about Donald Trump, no, somebody else was telling me in my office that Donald Trump, that there was a parade of witches against his reelection. This The ones I do was telling us, a, a message I listened to. He said, a preacher sat down, so they, they were on a plane, flying from one, I think one country to America or something, or one part of the U.S. to another. And so they served, you know, they, you know on flights, they serve food. They served, this man said, please, I, no, I, I'm, I'm not eating, thank you. Other sometimes, you know, they kept on, meanwhile, this pastor was eating, eating. This man beside him wasn't eating anything at all. So after a while, he just said, ah, hello, you're not eating anything, any problem? So the guy said, oh, no, I'm fasting. So when you say you're fasting, what do you expect to hear? Who do you expect that kind of person would be? A Christian. So that pastor looked like, ah, a more, you know, fellow bro, you know. So he just, he just asked him, uh, like, like, which church do you belong to? The guy said, no, I don't go to church. Ah. Why not? Said, I worship Satan. Said it to him straight. Didn't know it was a pastor. Some is Satan worshiper. So why are you fasting? He said, no, we have an assignment. Our current fast is to destroy the homes of these preachers. And he was talking to a preacher. This was on a flight in the United States. I don't think it was uh, between Africa and uh, South, Southeast Asia. No. The first book I read on 
The only book I've read, I've read in my life by, I've read books by witches, alright? But all of them have been by repented witches who are giving a testimony of what Christ did for them. But I've read one by a practicing witch. She has not repented, not planning to repent. She was trying to mainstream witchcraft. Now, Yubo, a white person. The story, um, Kaman told in Witch's Invitation was a true story of his pastor. In which a white man said to him, I was paid to curse this man with AIDS by his aunt. I, that he told stories, things that he had done through the manipulations of dark powers. He told him, do you know I can make you rich? Oh, you, you think it's not Africa will go to a shrine? Then when they have gone to shrines and they have become rich, you write a book, you buy. Christian bookshop will be selling. Seven keys to effective business. Number one, wake up early. They will never tell you that part. Go to the shrine. There's one American president. I, some, those of you who know me enough, you know who I'm talking about. I just shook my head. I discussed with people. I said, anytime I see him, I shake my head for him. I have no doubt in my heart. This is a man who sold his soul to the devil for position. People don't know that. Anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> I was saying that, listen, read your Bible first. You understand my point? You cannot just tell stories. Because you don't know, there are things about life that nobody writes about. Sometimes there are hidden things of darkness. They can't be written about. Sometimes they, sometimes they are just simply issues of ignorance. The person does not know. Jesus said he himself does not know how. That's why you should read your Bible. Read the prophecies, read the instructions of the scribes, of the prophets, of the people that God commissioned to write his mind. He said, this is where recorded for our learning. All these other stories, be careful. Why am I saying all of that? Sometimes we make our mistakes. God blesses us despite them. And those who don't know think that is the mistakes that is the key. No, it's the forgiveness that God brings that's actually the key. It turns what was dead and brings life out of it. Is that forgiveness? Is the power of Christ Jesus? So, what do we do anytime we do what is wrong? You know, if you heard me teach it many times, that's what I, one of the things I mean when I say God changes the past. That is, it turns around, make, makes what looks bad, so it starts producing what is good. It makes Bathsheba give birth to Solomon, and you are wondering of all the women in Israel. God said, "No, I needed to do that." For you guys to know that I can literally change that which is past. The Lord is good. Now, when I told of that, trying to say, just saying that many things have happened to us this year. You know, that's why I went to do that. And um, this year is beginning to come to an end. So, I didn't realize that until now. It's just now I realized that the year is coming to an end. I, I know we're in November, but I forgot that for Kingdom World Ministries, the year ends first week of December, which means... Unless we decide to compensate for lockdown, we are, we'll be out of here in the next four weeks. And I'm not at all in any mood for organizing any program. <laughs> at all. The you will say which program? We organize our Mokimute, we preach. Israel will preach by force. By force, say no one preach before. <laughs> Uh-huh, maybe we can do fasting program. Okay, that's the only, okay, okay. Uh, okay, that one is good. Yes, okay, we can do the fasting one. That's the only one I think I'm in the, okay, thank you very much. That's the only one that uh, my spirit can receive. 
But the one of gathering and doing morning, evening, they do flyer and send people up and down. Not in that mood. I don't preach this year. I'm telling you. <laughs> that all is good. Anyway, so because it's called, we are coming to an end, we may scatter things a little bit. I'm praying that the Lord will give us the um, privilege to finish what we began on power for wealth. But right now, I want to just, the things I began to speak about on bitterness and um, all those other things, which I was on on Saturday. Let me just continue that today. The Lord is good. All right. Let's just continue. That was just like an introduction. So, uh, last time I was speaking about that issue of bitterness. And um, I was trying to explain to us why it is important we get rid of every root of bitterness that might be in our hearts. Let's just open to the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 12. Just to read this again. The book of Hebrews chapter 12. Before we read that, I just feel like saying this. There's a call out in the spirit. You know, occasionally you see God come out and make an announcement and is calling for people. He will say, who shall I send? Who will go for us? He makes that kind of call. He'll just get up and, and he shouts it loud, really. And the spirit will be picking the signals. When I say the spirit will pick the signals, what I mean is that thoughts just start arising in your heart. You understand? You just start observing things. And so many times it's a call of God. Alright? So God gets up and announces loud for his children to hear, who shall I send who will go for us? Now, what that means is that when God wants to use people for things, he expects them also to volunteer. He said, if you are willing and obedient. Many people are obedient, they are not willing. You know, my children and I were studying, uh, we studying Psalm 111. Uh, I think it's 112, okay, yes, and 113 for some days now. And in the, first, in the first verse, we sat for days on this particular one, that God talks about those who greatly delight in his commandments. Let me just quickly um, read that. If I get back here. Psalm 112. He said, how blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. You see that, that the blessing comes from the fact that this individual does, is not just about obeying the commandments. Many people obey the commandments. But what, where it comes from is that the individual delights. New American Standard uses the expression, greatly. He greatly delights in the commandments. That is the knowledge of the instructions of God makes the individual glad. That is the person, actually, that is blessed. People think that it's just about obedience. It's not obedience alone. It is greatly enjoying the obedience. That is, even if they make it optional, that's what you will go for. I hope you know my point. Many people may go because it's compulsory. But what God does sometimes is that he makes it appear as if it's optional. And when he does that, what he's doing is that he's offering us a blessing. You know, if you see what something Paul said, Paul understood this. And Paul said that if I preach the gospel, I've not done anything. He said, necessity is laid upon me. I was born to preach the gospel. Woe is me if I don't. So Paul said, for all the preaching I preach, I do not expect any particular credit. That one is compulsory. He said, but when I offer it as no charge, 
I was not instructed to do that. I was not instructed to free all the churches of the obligations of supporting the ministry. I wasn't. But I decided, but on my own volition, I felt that it would be more beneficial for the progress of the gospel if I did it that way. So that is the only thing that can be credited. He said, so I won't let anybody take that boast away from me. Because if I preach morning, afternoon, and night, there's nothing to boast about. There's a grace upon me. It is compulsory. I can't refuse. If I keep quiet, the word will become like fire shot up in my bones, using the words of Jeremiah. It's just what I was born to do. He said, but if I do it without cost, because God had given me, they had set a, um, a, um, a structure in place. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that is stretching out the wheat. And that was not written for the oxen, but for the servants of God, he said. He said, but I forgo of my rights. There are many rights he decided to let go of so that he would be more effective in what he was doing. He said, that is the only credit I have. So what does God do sometimes? Instead of saying, like he said to Jeremiah, I have called thee, I have this, that, that, that. It's almost like Jeremiah said, ah, ah, ah. You're not going anywhere. You must go and prophesy. In Isaiah's case, he said, as if he didn't call Isaiah the way he called Jeremiah. He actually did. But just started like this in Isaiah's hearing. He said, who shall I send? Who will go for us? He was looking for volunteers. Now, the volunteers are doing it. First, listen, they are called actually. But like now, he's not giving them the option that, well, you can say no if you want. But he's looking for those who will say yes, even though they could say no. Are you getting my point? Yeah, he does that. He does that. That's on that side of God we must understand. And why does he do it? So that he can bless the people, really. And then so that he can use them effectively. So that he can use them effectively. So he can pour, because God's blessings are always his way of spreading blessings. Now, what I said sounds funny, right? But I'll say it again. What I mean is this. If God blesses you, it's not for you. It's so that through you, others will be blessed. So if God is looking for an excuse to bless Abraham, he wasn't thinking of Abraham alone. He was thinking of banking. You understand my point? He was thinking of you. He was thinking of Enugu. He was thinking of Nigeria. He was thinking of Africa. He was thinking of all the descendants of Ham. He was thinking of all the descendants of Japheth too. Even the descendants of Shem, he was thinking of them. He said, how do I spread a blessing to all of them? So I will bless Abraham. So how do I get to bless Abraham? I will ignite him, stimulate him, probe him, push him, entice him, and tempt him to do something that will provoke my blessing. It took him 60 years working with Abraham to achieve that. 60 years. It wasn't two days. When we were young, those days we were teenagers and now early 20s, studying the word and obeying the word of God. We expected a blessing, you know. <laughs> After a short while, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Ready for your miracle. Amen. <laughs> 65, 60 years, thereabout. Called Abraham at the age of 75. At the age of 100, Isaac was born. He sacrificed Isaac. The rabbi said at the age of 37, but let me just take 35 to make my calculation easy. That is 60 years. He tricked, can I use that expression? He tricked Isaac, um, Abraham into doing something that provokes the blessing. But the main aim actually was so that Abraham 
will release the blessing of God onto the earth. And without a shadow of doubt in my mind, I'm saying to you, Abraham is the reason why you are now sitting down here today. He's the reason why Jesus will come. Do you get my point? So when God is saying, when he's calling for volunteers, he said, I don't want to make this thing compulsory so I can bless those who greatly delight. It's their own volition decide to come and do this for me. I will bless them. Then the blessing will spread. So he said to Isaiah, in the hearing of Isaiah, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah looked and said, see me now. Send me. Now what am I going to say? When God has work to do, he likes volunteers like that. He likes people that will just make up their mind by themselves. Who at the point they just decide that listen, whatever it will take, we will give it to it. I hope I get my point. Whatever it will take, we will give it. We will give it so that we can do that which is pleasing to God. Now this is where I'm going. So I'm, I'm, I'm persuaded in that in this season, God is calling for volunteers. Let me tell you the reason why. 200 million Nigerians are never going to agree. They've not even agreed to give their lives to Christ. You're talking about any other thing. Those who give their life to Christ, you know, Christians break my heart a lot. Now, if you are listening to this and you're a Christian, just know that sometimes when I see you behave, you hurt me deeply. Sometimes, Christians, they will utter some words. You know, after all the teaching we have taught for a long time, some people cannot still do but criticize the head of state. They just can't help it. The thing is just inside them. They feel like, hey, what if I say, what is what? What if what he's doing is bad? Are you his judge? You don't know that there's a question like, who made you a judge and an arbiter? Someone just, just, it's, 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 it's discipline. It's called self-control. Just shut up. Do you know if you are properly trained? You know some, I know some, a lot of people, eh, they lack home training. You, you, you get my point? Have you ever, you know, you know, when we were young, we believed that Isaac was a child. That's why the father could sacrifice him. We didn't know that we were disobedient children. Do you understand my point? Yes, it was as I grew up, I realized Isaac would have been 80 years old. His father would still have sacrificed him because he had never crossed his mind to disobey Abraham. There are thoughts that don't cross their mind. If Abraham said, lie down here, he, he can't ask his father for what? But you know when you are, since you were two, you were disobedient. Age of two. If your mother doesn't bring the breast milk, you bite. And they don't do you anything. They say, oh, it's your child, sorry, sorry. If not me, your cheek. Boom! Next time you see Nipu, you go respect. <laughs> so that shall not, you shall not bite what is feeding thee. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> but some people have been so disobedient for a long time. They not think Isaac had to be a child. And if you were properly raised, no matter how much your father offends you, you can't talk. Are you aware of that? You just be looking. And I keep on telling young women, wives, the Lord is good. <laughs> Train yourself to respect your husband. That is, the one, he annoyed me. That's why I started shutting the whole household down. I said, lack of home training, they worry you. Must you display it on the streets? Do you know that? Because you, women, because they went to university too. Begin winding ways for your husband. Very soon they'll be having ways for you. won't know why. It's the judgment of God. <laughs> it's, the way you, it's not the way you lay down anything. Your prophet is standing in front of you. You are doing like this for him. Prophet, too. Prophet. Yeah, just look at somebody. Why are you begging for divine judgment? You hold your husband's cloth in tears. Go and ask Saul how he lost the kingdom. He had the prophet's cloth and he tore. And so they come on kingdom for your hand. 
If you, if you held your husband's clothes and it stitch, did you hear? You stitch them back with tears and repentance, with fasting. Tell it's a mantle. You tear a mantle like that. What did they do you? I mean, how did you get there? I don't know what I was saying again. <laughs> Thank you very much. You just have to discipline yourself. The man is the head of state. Just keep quiet. It doesn't mean you agree with him. What I'm trying to say, why did I get into that? What I'm trying to say, listen, we just have to learn little things like discipline our tongues. You just say, okay, like I said, there are things, now I'm not bragging, this is just to give you an example, all right? I don't think I've spoken a negative word against any head of state in Nigeria in the last 30 years. Babangida was my president, military president. He called himself when I learned the truth of God. Shonekon took over from him. Abacha took over from Shonekon. After that was uh, Abdul Salami. After Abdul Salami, Obasanjo, then good luck Jonathan. And then uh, Yaradwa, briefly, and then good luck Jonathan, and then our current head of state. I have seen them good, bad, and ugly. Just personal discipline. Just personal discipline. I just said myself, I'm not doing. You agree with him? No. So what are you going to do? I'll shut up. Or i pray. One of the two. They, some, some of them have stretched my, my patience, my faith. And funny enough, if I tell you the one that really stretched it, you'll be surprised. Not the one you're thinking. But what will I do? I keep praying. The same mouth cannot bring forth, that the same spring can bring us sweet water and bitter waters. No, you just choose one. You know, with all of this preaching we have preached, when I talk to some of our brethren, I want, that is, they will have finished saying something, and I say, sorry, sir, sorry, sir, sorry, sir. And I'm looking at you like, so if it wasn't me you were talking to, you will have continued in this your way of iniquity. What are you gaining? Nothing more than popularity amongst your ignorant friends. Yes? That's what most people gain. To have discussions with people and be able to criticize too. It gives you a sense of um, awareness. Me to say if I know what in the guan. No, let me know guan. Yes, okay. You know, it, it makes you feel good. You know, like, you know, football commentary. You know, if you watch football all by yourself, it's not football really. You're not watching football. It is that argument. It's that quotation that is, you are quoting that this was how Bebeto did it. Sorry, when I say Bebeto, don't be angry with me. That was when I watched football last. Some of you are wondering, who is Bebeto? Bebeto, don't worry, Bebeto played against Nigeria in Atlanta 96. Yes. Those were the top Brazilian strikers those days. I think Bebeto was a midfielder. Okay, winger, all right. <laughs> yeah, you know, the days of Beto, Romario, uh, Ronaldo, yeah, the Ronaldo of those days. And then what is, the, remember their, huh? Okay, I can't even remember doing that much. But I remember their, their, their captain, their, their coach. No, Mario Zagal. Yes. No, you know, he, he was a respected coach, you understand? The reason being that he had won the World Cup before, so there's nothing you were playing. He was an old man, he was about 70 that time. 
He benched the best player in the world and he didn't care, Romario. The, people couldn't believe this is your best player. I said, I don't care. He's indisciplined. <laughs> now, it's all right. You know, I stopped watching football at that time. That's the one I know last because why did I stop? Bros, I get fever when Nigeria they play. High BP, bros. <laughs> the the rot of man does, the man does not work the righteousness of God. Stop. <laughs> now, what I'm saying is this. So, that's all you gain, really. Is that discussion? Like, we just had a few, a, a chat now. You see, see, see how confident I sounded in the ones that I know. But more than one, I want to begin to, I don't know who be who. I don't think I can accurately name three Nigerian strikers. I'm not joking, no. I know more Nigerian musicians than I know strikers. <laughs> At least I know Davido. I, I hardly know Nigeria. I, I started watching football long ago. Now, what we gain from football, you know, it's the, it's the discussion. I have a friend that he, he can't watch a match alone. He looks at where other people are. He has TV, he has everything. No. He will go and look for where somebody else is so that he will not sit down. You understand? And that's all we gain, really. If you check it really, that's all we gain. And that's why I, I know the kind of people you have been hanging with when I hear the kind of comments you pass. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, when I hear the kind of comments you pass about things in the nation as an example, I just know the kind of people you've been hanging with because we tend to reinforce one another. Yeah, we reinforce one another. Those who believe like you, if you hang around them, they reinforce you. When they want to talk, you understand? When you want to talk, we'll know you know, iron sharpens iron. You'll be sharpened in a particular di- dimension. D- do you get my point? Yes. All right? Now, I'm talking about d- discipline. So, we just need to discipline ourselves sometimes. We don't get anything from these things. Now, I talk about God calling. God is saying, listen, I said what I said now to let you know that Christians sometimes they break my heart. You just look and say, so, especially when if I know you personally, I say, for all, and you claim you listen to pastor facts. <laughs> One day, somebody says something. That, and these people will say they listen to Pastor Banky. Because, you know, they take actions that, you say, if I have one brother told another one, say, have you talked to Pastor Banky? And then they say, no, he can't talk to you. Because he knows your opinion. He now, he now said to me, say, and these people will tell you they listen to you. Go and read what God said to, to um, was it Ezekiel or Jeremiah? I think it was Ezekiel. He said, you are nothing more than a man who sings well and plays well on an instrument. So you're an, an entertainer to them. He said, you hear them gather. Say, let us go and hear the word of the Lord from the mouth of the prophet. He said, they hear what you are saying, but they don't do that them. He said, what? He said, you are nothing more than one who sings beautifully and plays well as an, on an instrument. What we call modern day, an entertainer. For m- many people, I'm nothing but an entertainer. That's what I am. They like the way I talk. They like the jokes I crack. They know me personally. They like to chat with me. They like to gist and gist. At the end of the day, do what we are saying now. What's that? Such people, they break my heart. But I'm not talking about my heart. I'm not the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm not the God of Nigeria. But let me tell you, more importantly than me, they break the Lord's heart. Let me give it to you straight. Because you see, he needs people. And that's what I'm trying to explain. He needs people. He needs people. So he will say, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Anytime he wants to do something, he needs people. So he comes to a country, like I was talking about Nigeria as an example, 200 million people, a nation that he cut for his own purpose, 
200 million, they have not even given their lives to Christ. Among those who claim to be Christians, only few are truly believers. Among those who are truly believers, how many of them are actually obeying the word and greatly delighting in his commandments? Now, let me tell you something. Listen, God wanted to pour a plague on Israel. And Amos said, ha. And God said, it's all right, I won't do it. The Lord wanted to kill the whole nation. And Moses said, ha. And God said, all right, because you ask. I hope you're getting my point. Derek Prince said something, and I want to use his story to emphasize what I want to say. He said that there was a time he was coming to England, he and his wife. He's an Englishman, naturally. Well, at that time, I think he was living in um, either Middle East or United States. And it was a cold, you know, winter. So he said, ah, he and his wife said, this won't be good. He wasn't in the mood for the cold. So they prayed. So the Spirit let them know that they're going to have fine weather. So as they arrived, the weather in London warmed up. So when they arrived, everybody was like, ah, you know, you are very lucky. You know that kind of thing. You came after, just as the weather was improving. It's been terribly cold for the last few weeks. We have been suffering this and this and that and that. He stayed for like a week and the weather was good. So his wife told them, we are leaving tomorrow. You guys watch out. And as soon as they took off, zoom, the cold came back. God warmed up a whole city. Because one man and his wife visited. I told that story to highlight the things I said earlier about Amos and about Moses. We may be 200 million in the country. Just a handful, just a few are those that will say to God, enough and something will stop. And what am I saying to you this evening? I hear the call in the spirit that God is looking for those people. And that a lot of those that should have been like that, they are backsliding. Sometimes they are battling because they, they wear out. They can, they can wear out. The Spirit gave me a, a, an understanding the last, the last day, I think yesterday or the day before. I, I realized I have to start praying for the country, all right? We've been praying, of course, for a long time. But then now, I have, have a new understanding. I may not preach it, it's personal, all right? But now I want to start asking the Lord for specific, achievable things, are the things my faith can stretch for. And I will claim it for the country. And I have no doubt he's going to listen. For example, we can, we can take the matter of INEC. Say, so why can't you just make up your mind you want to run for office? I mean, after all, it's local government councillor we're talking about. Um, sorry. Um, House of uh, Legislature of the State. No, House of Assembly, yes. So you, there are districts in the city, in the, in the state, right? Is it local government by local government? I say, why can't you just decide you want to run for House of Assembly? Must you belong to the ruling party of the state? It's a little prayers we can pray and say, God, righteous people, we stand on their own. They won't have money. They just, they just tweet, Facebook, friends, we share, share, share. They go. And then they will win because I neck we count. Then that's achievable. If nobody asks the Lord for it, you know, he may never do it. Generations will come, generations will pass. We'll still be writing elections, even though we have PVCs and card readers. Technology will keep on leaving us behind. Do you understand my point? That is, there are so many ways to do things easily with this era of technology. There are so many ways to do things easily that sometimes we are amazed. Like the other day, I don't know whether the lawyers have done it. Where remember the Nigeria Medical Association, people were kind of 
telling you, some amongst the doctors were telling each other, what's wrong with you people? As of now, you are still holding your head on going to queue somewhere to vote. So you can't vote online. You can't vote with short codes. Why can't you register a short code? Two, five, six, seven, something like that. You know, on all networks. You pay them. And they say, if you are voting for uh, Dr. A, or, or for chairman, write A, space, chair, send. Your number has been registered on the network. We know it is yours, so we count as your vote. At the end of the day, we print it for you if you want. You can contest that. No, that's not my number. But we will have regi- you verify your number ahead of time. Do you understand my point? There are things of technology that can make life easy. But you know somebody needs to ask God, do it. Somebody needs to ask the Lord and say, do this. You may find it more difficult to say, okay, Lord, tie all our roads in 24 hours. Your faith can't even stretch for that. God said, wait, should I should gather all the angels to come <laughs> to even manufacture your bulldozer? I can't do it, but you won't be able, that kind of road. You say, no good driver. You go to sleep last night. You wake up this morning everywhere. <laughs> you say, lie, lie. This is the road to heaven. I won't die. You cannot wonder yet. <laughs> yeah, no wonder yet. But there are things, you know, that your faith can stretch. My emphasis there, actually, is that God is actually looking out and calling. You know, I said that, who shall we send? And calling for people that he can put into, into that category. Now, there's what the Bible calls angelic watchers. But I have a personal conviction that there are earthly watchers also. Earthly watchers, and they may not be rich people. They may not be big pastors. They will just be normal people here and there, going about their business. You look on the outside, they may even look like, in quotes, they are suffering. But their suffering is not, it's not for any other reason more than the fact that they have just realized that some of the things people are pursuing in life, they are not worth pursuing. They are fulfilling the purpose of God in that their little life that they are living. Do you get what I'm trying to say here? And God is calling out, I'm, I'm convinced right now, people that will answer the call, listen to me. There are people that will make deliberate choices, not just say, here I am, send me, then you go to sleep. No. When you say, here I am, send me. I give an example earlier. God said, first, I circumcise your tongue. I take something from the fireplace, take a coal, I will touch your lips, I remove all the, all the impurities, all the uncleanness from your lips. Coal, I hope you know it burns. So when they say, touch my lips, don't think the guy was licking the ice cream, um, touch my lips. No. <laughs> Do you follow my point? No, it wasn't. They didn't clean, cleanse it with ice cream. Cleanse it with coal. His mouth probably hurt for some time. That's the point that they make. And for you, what does that mean? It means that there are things you want to say you can't say. There are words you would want to utter. They said, no, those are not your words. Sometimes you change friends. Do you know I was in a chat group of professionals when this NSAS thing was going on? I've been there for a long time. I don't speak. Then the discussion was so hot. Answers, then um, is it Tuesday shooting? Is it, was it a Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. Lekki, all the, uh, the massacre that we don't know whether it really happened. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. <laughs> but when the gist was going on, then somebody posted one video. I mistakenly, I normally don't, touched it, and I saw a policeman being beaten to, and somebody said, kill him. You know, I just went to exit, delete group. Phew! I didn't, I refused to have time to, if I think about it, I say, who am I going to offend? My seniors are there. I say, no, no, no. Now this kind of thinking, they make person miss eternal life. I beg, thank you very much. Phew! I quickly removed it. That was how, I, I didn't just exit, oh. 
I deleted the whole bunch, you know, the whole chat. You know, painfully, a few days ago, I was looking for something. I realized that, you know, say, remove your media. I said, yes, you know, this. Delete media. You know, the WhatsApp does it. Now, so my media, I take worker. So a few days ago, I was not looking for a particular uh, um, image or video. I said, yeah, I don't delete them. What I say? When your lips are touched, when your tongue is touched with the tongue, you understand? We know for the cool from the fireplace of God. Huh. It costs so. Sometimes, that's it. There are friends you don't have anymore. Because you're always quarreling about everything. You disagree on every point. So suddenly you're not friends anymore. Why? Because every time we meet, we fight. Because your tongue has been touched. Your lips, your lips have been touched with the fire of God. And like, it wasn't the ice cream of God. No, I said that. So it burns, it hurts. There are scrolls you will eat. Sweet in your mouth, hate your belly. The whole place is disturbed. Christians, you understand that obedience to God is not convenience. It's not a matter of convenience. Obedience to God may not be convenient for you. So let's not equate it with convenience. Obedience to God can, you know, <laughs> he said, I came to, I came, he said, he thought I brought peace. No, I brought a sword. I'm going to separate a man from his son. I'll separate a mother from the daughter-in-law. Why? Because my presence is a stumbling block for, for those who don't believe. It's a matter of fact. And it's that call that God is sending out. Because except he recruits enough of those kind of people, he can't change a place. He can't. You know, I've said it, you've, of course, talking about politics. You say, hey, God, you, you want to go into politics. And sometimes the Lord doesn't speak to you. You just know that it's yeah, something you can do, you want to do. God say, all right, go ahead, try Buy the form. I'm going to help you. But go and take the vow that Banky told you about years ago. Say, what are you driving now? You show them your carry Because they're good. While you're in office, you will drive the Prado. Don't worry. If they give it to you after, collect. But if I, you have to make a vow that you will not have any money, more than the one they pay their salary. If contractors beg you and dash you money, you don't know what to carry the money, donate it to federal. <laughs> you know, in America, they do something. They have a funny rule in that country. I hope you know the food that Donald Trump eats, he pays for it. Some people don't know that. American president, the food he eats is taken from his salary. They are a very funny country. The only way he gets free food is if he organizes state function. What I mean is that maybe now, I'm not kidding. Maybe he said that um, Nigerian president is coming. So they organized, organized a dinner for the Nigerian president and the entourage. And then, of course, the American entourage. So the president is there. That's when he gets free food. The one is normally in the White House. He pays for it. Are you aware of that? He did not know. Oh, Nasser Denbio. And sometimes, maybe a foreign, maybe the president goes abroad. So he comes to Nigeria. We saw a Agbada. And wear it on him, you know, and we wrap the abada and give it to him. Is that not a good thing? Yes, Do you know he can't take it? He'll collect it from also. When he gets back to America, he goes to their museum. He can't take it home. It was given to him as a president, it is not his property. So they receive gifts. So you find an American ambassador when he comes to Nigeria, he's going away, you guys buy him things, you just wasted your money. As he gets home, he will so- <laughs> he will submit it. They have a museum kind of, you know. 
maybe won't be uh, the Condoleezza rice goes to Middle East. So the Arab, one Arab sheikh says, "Oh, Miss Rice, so gives her a beautiful, you know, gold um, necklace." And say, hey. "She will take it. You take pictures, pictures. As soon as she arrives in America, she will remove it, pack it, and submit it, and they will file it. It belongs to the American people." <laughs> I'm sure you don't want to be an American president. What nonsense. <laughs> Coming from Nigeria, you don't understand that kind of thing. <laughs> now, this is where I'm going. Just to let you know that some things are doable. Now, sometimes God can call somebody like that in our country and say, that's your own sacrifice. Though. That's your sacrifice. Anything they give you belongs to the local government. Anything they give you belongs to the, federal, uh, the state government. I won't tell you not to collect, but you know what to do. That's why I told the American story. And God says, if you are not willing for that, don't go there. I don't want to be a legislator. I don't want to be a house of... I don't want anything. I want people who will be willing to do it. Faith has sacrifices. Faith has what? Sacrifices. Faith has sacrifices. You know, God says, if I have enough of people like that, join the police, join the customs, join this, join that, it will take me a bit of time, but I'm going to change the whole place. So... That's what I'm telling you. God, right now, I believe he's, he's, call, he's calling out. The reason why he has to call out is because, first, not everybody's going to walk with him. Even those who claim they are his own, the way they backslide, the backsliding rate is immense. The demo spirit is out there in abundance. People will learn the word, and you look at them. I thought you studied this word and decided to walk with it for the last 15 years. I've seen you studying the scriptures. In the 16th year, demos will depart. And one of the problems is because we keep on promising things that God did not promise. And in preachers that do that, let me beg you, stop, before you lose your ministry. Stop promising things that God did not promise. You know, there are ministries I admire. There was a time my name was Jeremiah. It became Amos. Let me take another one, John. John the Baptist. Why am I taking the name of John the Baptist again for today? John the Baptist did not promise anything apart from deliverance and the judgment to come. And that message is important. And you know the truth? That is the message that released the power of Christ into their lives. The power of the kingdom. That was what released it. John did not promise healing. John did not promise prosperity. The book of John, that's John the Beloved, it told us about John the Baptist that he did no mighty work. Did not heal anybody. All he did was to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And if you believed him, you came towards him for baptism. So he baptized each person, all right, for the forgiveness of sin. So what John wanted from you was the fulfillment of one scripture. You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. That's all. So many times, pastors who keep on preaching reward, preaching reward, preaching this earthly reward, what you should preach is the pleasure of God. That if do this, the Father will be pleased. Do this, the Lord will be pleased. It's not when you give like this, your business will now expand. Let me say it again. All those givings, they are better, they must stop. In fact, they stopped in 2020. They did not. Answers, you understand? We ended rubbish giving. It has stopped. They are, <laughs> a funny thing people do. Somebody wants to start a business. Let us assume now that he wants to start a car wash. We now come and meet Pastor Kimote. So be bringing your car for washing. And you you'll be happy. Say, praise God, though. The Lord has blessed me. You don't know that they are sowing seed in your life. You will soon start growing something on your head. 
Let me tell you the truth. I hope you know that thing is sorcery. It's sorcery. It's not, it's not Christianity. Ah, many people are looking at eh? Pastor, yes. They want to start a business. Maybe you're starting a food, a restaurant, and you now look for two pastors that will be eating free a week. Sorcery. People do it too. It's not honor. They're not trying to honor you. It's sorcery. They're looking for, <laughs> tell your wife, say, eh, we're starting next week. So, have you found our own man of God? That is the idea that as he's eating the food, amen, the anointing of God, expansion, mm, as his stomach is expanding, <laughs> your business will be expanding. Do you know it's pure sorcery? It's not Christianity. Do you know the truth? A lot of people, many people hear me say, they're surprised. They really think he's right. They don't know he's totally not right. It is not Christianity. You don't buy protection from God by giving to a preacher. It's not Christianity. I know I've been accused of spoiling business. Ah, people have said that I'm causing problems. One day, one pastor went to another one and said, please, you know Pastor Bang is your friend. Let's go and talk to him. I one said, what? Say, this is his preaching. That one looked like, say, you want him to lose respect for me, Abby? I'm not, I'm not, I've heard at least three pastors talk about this, me, that this thing I'm doing is not good. You agree with them, it's not good. <laughs> you can say it's not good. <laughs> but you know, we have to tell the truth. We have to tell the truth. Do you know a lot of people don't know? It's sorcery. They think it's good. In Christianity, it's pure sorcery. Shouldn't you give to a preacher? Of course you should. But I've said it many times. There are just two reasons. I've not found a third one. There are two reasons why you give to a preacher. One, because he has been a blessing to you. Paul said, listen, we sow spiritual things into your life. He's producing material results. Uh-uh. This thing, suppose, we suppose chop our portion now. We are not demanding. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have sense. That's why they quoted the scripture. Thou shalt not muzzle the other stretching out the wheat. That is number one. Number two is that just for the, because they said the laborer is worthy of his wages. And the way God has done is just for the fact that he is working, working in the, it, Paul's put it like this. Those that labor in word and in doctrine, they are worthy of double payment. That means the word honor. It means double honorarium. Those are the only reasons. Please, if you find the third one, let me know. Now, please, I, I hope you're getting my point. As per, I'm starting a restaurant. I'm looking for a man of God that will be eating free. So he can be blessing me. It doesn't work. Oh. I hope you're getting my point. Don't do it. It's very important we understand it. A lot of, do you know the truth? Some people are hearing it for the first time now. And they are surprised. There's no a good thing. No, it is not a good thing. You are not doing it for the right reasons. Just as I say, preachers, preachers be careful. Let's stop preaching this gospel of do something you can get something. We do what we do because they are right. We do them because they please God. We do them because we delight, we greatly delight in what? His commandments. That's why we do them. A lot of people, no, that's why I want to do that. They live following the path of righteousness. Because the promised reward doesn't come. And the hope deferred does what? Makes the heart faint. The person just gets weary. They get weary. And we find that a lot of people have become weary of good doing. 
They have become weary of good doing. They are tired of it. You know, that's why a lot of preachers, they keep on bringing new, newer anointing to wind people to give. People are tired of giving. Because they have given, you told them they will break through. You remember the young lady I told you, in our, our former venue, stood in front of me like this after one of those meetings. When she finished talking with me, I was weak. I looked at her. The Bible says Jesus had compassion. I had compassion on her. So she, when she, was, she just finished NYC a few months before that day, that season that she came to Kingdom World, that she suffered during NYC. She suffered. You know the cause of suffering? You know the cause of suffering? Young lady suffering of hunger. Hunger. No food to eat. Want to go somewhere, trek. What happened to your NYC allowance now? That she has given everything as an offering. Then one day somebody dashed her money on her birthday. She said, ah, I will manage this one for some time. Then she went to church. They said, if it does not pain you. So she gathered that one to went to church and dropped it. She said, if I saw her that time that she was lean, that she suffered. And I asked her a simple question. I said, but why? That was my question. I said, but why? Why were you doing that? Were you not being paid? I was being paid, sir. So why were you giving out everything that you didn't even have enough to? It says, sir, they told us that is how to prosper. Those were her exact words. He said, she said, they told us that is how to prosper. I felt like telling my sister, that is how to suffer. And you have seen it. It's not how to prosper. I said, anyway, God has answered your prayers. I said, you know your answer? I said, me. Me, that you are seeing today, I'm the answer that God sent to you in return for your sacrifices of foolishness. Your sacrifices of ignorance. God, God has seen your tears. He has seen your pain. He has seen your cry. And I said, go and beat Banky. He shall tell you words by which you will be saved. Is that not what he said? If you're a preacher, please, now I beg, I beg you. You are discouraging people from serving God. Tell them if they need something, they should ask him. If they want to give, they should learn to give out of love. Why am I talking about that? Because many people, their hearts have become what? Tired. And they have departed. And for that reason, God is shouting again, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? He's looking for people he will send into this nation. Now, they're already inside there. It's not as if they have to travel from somewhere. But people that he, they can utter words on behalf of the nation. He says, I'm going to send you out as exiles. Now, for us, heaven is our home. So the earth is like where we have been sent in such a manner. He said, when you get there, seek the good of the country I'm going to send you into. Entreat the Lord on his behalf. This is my order. In his prosperity, you will have prosperity. It's not as if I cannot rain manna from heaven. I just don't want to do that. I want you to have connection because you are going to be blessed so you can be a blessing. Are you getting my point? So God is, is crying out in the spirit now, who shall I send? Who will agree to yield his, her heart to me? Yield the tongue, the mouth, that till we die, this is how we are going to live. Sometimes, and how do they do it? Look, nothing strange. Just the same doctrines that are being preached, just practice it, even if it's painful. Little things like pay your taxes, 
Little things like don't bypass EDC meter. No matter how tempting it is, don't. Little things like when you get to the red light, press your brake and wait. It's just for one minute. Are you getting my point? Just renew your driver's license. Renew your vehicle license. Just little things like that. Just live a life so that the basic rules, you have obeyed them for the land. Sow your seed into the land on a regular basis. When I say sow your seed into the land, invest your money. Invest your money. Start a business. Honestly, and as such people, of course, you have made a commitment to righteousness. You have made a commitment to walking according to the word of God in every area. And you will obey God and not love your life even when faced with death. That's what we're talking about. Your life will not be a life that's going up and down chasing comfort. It'll be a life that's, look, all I want to say at the end of the day is that I lived for Christ. I didn't say it would be easy. Sometimes it will not be. In fact, a number of times it will not be because you have to be tested. God has to prove that you are serious. There's what is called the genuineness of your faith, the genuineness of your love. Each of these things must be tested. They must be proved. And those are the people I'm saying that God, they, in the spirit I hear the cry. God is saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Because right now, I'll be honest with you, he's seriously lacking people. It's when you say crisis, you now see Christ and you know what indeed they had. Sometimes you look at Christians, you open your, you shake your head like, wait, excuse me, do you believe the same God? Is it the same scripture? You start wondering. The, the call I'm just throwing out on behalf of the Lord is that God is looking for people. They are his intercessors. Let me summarize it like that. They are his what? Intercessors. They are the ones that can stand and pray for the land. They will stand like Amos and say, God, no, no, no. Do you understand that? They will sound like Moses, and they will say no. And God will have to listen to them. And God wants such people. He wants them everywhere. And I'm just asking us again this evening, let each individual volunteer. When Isaiah heard it, he shouted, Here am I. Send me. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Uh, We're going to read somewhere, right? Where is it? All right. Let me just read it again. Again, (laughs) you know. This is how my matter is normally. I want us to just read um, a few verses to end in that verse 15. It says, Pursue peace with all men. I'm in verse 14 now. And the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Let me just stop reading here because of time. So what I want to share with us this evening. That, and I began the last time, that we must eschew bitterness. We must fight against bitterness. You know, you, we must fight every defilement of the spirit. And when we end the last time, I told a story which I have told many times because it was so instructive when I watched it, of an American, a Texan black young man who at the age of 17 shot an elderly white man and killed him. And he did not know why he did it. He did not know why he did it. And that led to his arrest, conviction, and eventual execution. They did not agree to show him mercy. You know, when I saw it then, my heart, I just felt I know why he did it. Let me summarize it. It was bitterness. 
It was bitterness which is found in the heart of many people. The problem is that bitterness troubles people. That's the point I'm making. It troubles people. It troubles people. And we must make up our minds to fight it in our lives. That's the point I'm trying to make. Bitterness troubles people. And these things are seeds. Remember we said, if I was here, we mentioned it last time. There is a root. That is, one time you see the Bible talks about root. You see on the other end, it talks about the branches. It will talk about the fruit. That is, you see the fruit outside. Many times you don't know the real, the real problem is bitterness and is a, is, is a root. That is, it is hidden. You don't know it is there. On the surface, the fellow is smiling. You understand? But inside, bitterness is cooking up something that's going to be very traumatic, that's going to be very destructive when it fully manifests. So what he expects us to do is say, let no root of bitterness. You know, where is it? Which verse are we in? Verse 15. Let no one come short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up. A time comes in which the sun that is buried begins to spring up. If you remember the story of um, um, Simon, who also believed. And um, Peter said to him that he was still in the gall of bitterness. And what? The bondage of iniquity. What does that tell you? You see that when somebody is still in bitterness, he's bound to iniquity. He's bound to iniquity. I told the story of Ed Cole, who says that he teaches what he calls the law of release. And for him, release is forgiveness. To release bitterness out of your heart. That you see a lot of young men who they hated their father because of the negative things their father did. The man was an alcoholic, was a wife beater, was a child abuser and all of that. And then the man dies or he has gone. Or maybe they don't even relate with him anymore. And the one thing this young man will never want to be in life is an alcoholic. But by the time he's in his 30s, guess what? He's an alcoholic. It is called what? The bondage of iniquity. The bondage of iniquity. He did not plan to be an alcoholic. That alcoholism is iniquity. It's a spiritual force that takes hold of an individual. One day, his friend gives him a bottle of beer he drinks. Not a big deal. He has drank beer before. But soothes him very, very well that night. So it takes another night. He doesn't know when it becomes three bottles. He doesn't know until one day he realizes he cannot function except he takes a drink. And he's been drinking like that for the past year or two. And then he looks back. He's exactly like his father. And he realizes that the day his wife packs out and just realizes that this is exactly what happened to my, my father. It happened to him at the age of 45. It's happened to me at the age of 39. <laughs> he never planned it. But what was the problem? Bitterness. It kept him in the bondage of iniquity. I believe looking at his life of Simon, all the things he was doing, he joined the occult, went and learned um, the arts, the trade of deceiving people, of magic and all of that. It was because of bitterness. My own, expl- my own um, perception of it is that maybe, as an example, his father used to insult him when he was young that you would never do well in life. So he needed to show his father that I will do something in this life. And the way to do it was to go into the occult. The way to do it was to go into occultism and learn all those magical arts. You understand? He went into occultism, learned the magical arts, and he became a man of renown. Everybody was paying attention to him. Once the Holy Spirit came and convicted him of sin, but he was still in the goal of what? Bitterness. What does that mean? I've seen it before. <laughs> People come to church, they give their lives to Christ. Instantly, they, you know, they aim for leadership. 
They aim for prominence. If you're a pastor, don't allow them. It's for their own good. They volunteer. Don't let them do anything. One thing I've found, it works very well. In all my years of ministries, anybody comes like that, sit down. Sit down. What can we do here? Nothing. Just sit down. If you want to give an offering, say, give it in secret. If you don't want to give it, better. Just sit down. Just come regularly. Hear the word of God for the next one year. The next two years. Until the word of God transforms you. That is when you can purify the work that's coming out of your hands. What happened to Simon? That he was still looking for prominence. He could not just be obscure. So when he saw that everybody... It wasn't the Holy Spirit that was shocking him. It was the attention that um, Peter... Yes, Peter and John were getting. Ah, so how did they get this attention? You are the one that distributes the Holy Spirit. So the guy touched somebody, nothing happened. Touched somebody, nothing happened. I go meet Peter. Bros, how did they take them? The brother is check. I want to give a, a, a seed. That's it. They wanted to give a seed to the ministry. To bless the man of God. <laughs> Peter perceived it. If you've seen the, um, the series, AD, the Bible continues. He said, he said just a drop. This Simon in that particular series. He said, just, just a little drop. <laughs> just a little drop. You know? <laughs> just a little. Not much. Because he needed that prominence back. That's the point I'm making. It was not about the power in itself for him. It was the attention he got him with the people. Why? The bitterness of his youth had not been removed from his heart. We're not talking details about Simon now, but let us know that that is something we must fight. Bitterness comes for different reasons. I said it last time, sometimes it is just, that is to the person. It appears just, you really have been wounded. You really have been traumatized. People indeed have done things against you. Alright? Like the young man we're talking about who's angry with his father. Of course, he should be angry. The man did not provide money when he was young, so he starved, even though he had the money. He spent all the money on alcohol, on womanizing and stuff like that. The children, naturally speaking, should be angry. They should be angry. You know, that's one of the things in this life. Eh? I feel sorry for people who, 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 who have that kind of experience in life because, you know, God still says, honor your father and your mother. You know, that scripture not get, it doesn't have qualification. And they say, honor your father and your mother if he does not drink. Honor your father and your mother if your father has been a real father. People have tried to qualify it. You're talking about a real father. What is a real father? They start giving you scripture on what a real father is. Leave it the way it is. Honor your father and your mother. He didn't say you should be friends with them. He said you just what? Honor them. Somebody, I've counseled people many times. Some fathers, I feel like God, he didn't say, he told him to honor the father and the mother. He never said, honor your friend's father. Did you say that? Because you want to go to the father and shoot him for your friend. <laughs> no, there are fathers like that. You just look and say, in fact, a few weeks ago, somebody told me about her father. Do you know when I heard it? I wanted to enter the realm of the spirit. No? <sighs> Choke the man. Then when he has died, I'll meet the young woman and say, well, I said your papa died. Is that so? Sorry. Oh. She will never know I killed him. That was, what, that was what I felt like doing. You know the counsel I gave her? Block his number. And I know the scripture. I said, block his number. Don't He's that bad. Don't talk to him again. But make sure he doesn't go hungry. 
Send your money regularly through your sister to him. But please don't talk to him again. He said, Pastor Bank, is he not disobeying the scripture? No. I'm telling you how to obey it without bitterness. I can't tell you the kind of things I heard. I, know, I didn't know it was possible for a man to do that. I just said, don't talk to him again. I, there's no problem. Block his number. Let him know you blocked his number. You can't talk to him. Let him know he upsets your soul. He disturbs your spirit. But let him also know that the monthly allowance you send to him, he will keep getting it. The Bible makes it clear. Go and read the word of the Lord Jesus Christ very well. He said that you take what a man could have given to his parents and you allow him to say, Koban, that is devoted, I have given it to God. He said by that, you make the word of God of no effect by your traditions. And what is that word of God that says what? Honor your father and your mother. He was talking about money. So I said, you have fully fulfilled the word of God if you send him money regularly. You have fulfilled it. Don't worry. You don't have to talk to him. You don't have to. I told her straight, block his number. What are you talking about? I, I, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you again. Block his number. If somebody calls you and curses you on the phone every day, what are you going to do? Keep on answering? No, that is not obedience to God. If you hear he collapses, go there, hire people to carry him, put him in hospital, pay the bills. That's honor. And let him know, if you want to see me, I will come, but let's have an agreement. You can't curse me. You're my father. Your words are too powerful. So I shouldn't give you the opportunity to utter them. You know, it's one of those scriptures, you know, you could just vex. You know, you look God and say, Baba God, rewrite this scripture before we end scripture. Rewrite this scripture. <laughs> you know, you, you, you just be angry. Honestly, those are causes for bitterness. Some of them very legitimate. One thing that I learned about Christianity is that it doesn't, all the Bible says that grace is sufficient for you to obey. That's it. Grace. It doesn't excuse us from obeying. It just gives us what? Grace. So at such times you go, you get on your knees and pray, but you must let the bitterness go. So people, you know, I was trying to explain. So they have causes for bitterness that may be legitimate. There are some we said they are not legitimate. They accept the sacrifice of Abel, and the sacrifice of Cain is not accepted. It's not a legitimate cause for bitterness. If you do what is right, it's clear. You too will be accepted. It is not my fault that you are doing what is wrong. My name is Abel. Your name is Cain. It's not my fault. You shouldn't kill me for it. It is not legitimate. So there are a lot of times, you find a lot of times people are bitter for no real reason. Whatever be the reason, they still have to outgrow or release that bitterness out of their souls. Because it troubles people. I know it's not the, the most popular Nigerian right now, Femi Adeshino. Is that his name? The, um, anyway, the publicity wanting, wanting to our current president. When I read that statement he made, I said, this is so prophetic. I don't know whether I was prophesying. I know he's a Christian. But I know that that statement he made was so accurate. Is if anything terrible, I'm modifying the words now, happens to this country, just know that hatred, was it the word you use, or anger, caused it. And I'm preaching to people, you have to let bitterness go. You will destroy the country if you don't let it go. 
And because some of us are praying that a country will not be destroyed, you will be destroyed if you don't let it go. That's the way it works. And you know, let me tell you something about media. Be very careful. Like this NSAS thing, I, I, any one of our brethren that I saw promoting the bitterness, the anger, I picked, I challenged. I challenged. Turn of our brother. I said, what's the bloody flag doing on your DP? How is it helping anybody? He removed it. So another person, listen, all these videos you are posting, what is it doing? And the assassins are very wicked. Thank you very much for informing me. I'm saying, what are you promoting? Anger or healing? We have the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Are you opposed to reconciling people or dividing them further apart? I'm sure all the stories you have heard that has the word Fulani in it from my mouth has been a blessing to you. Yeah. You've never heard me narrate stories with negative things Fulani did. I heard them too. I just don't tell you. When I tell you about Fulani, if you hear the word Fulani, I'll tell you, oh, I met one pastor, John, when I went to Sokoto. It was a Fulani man. I'll tell you about the Fulani man that came and stopped us. We were standing in front of Kingdom World the other time and he asked us for money. Because he was persecuted. And he ran down to eastern Nigeria to save his life and the life of his family. Because he had the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when he began to speak of Jesus, they almost killed him. And I think that day, if I remember, where he lifted his shirt to show us the marks on his back. And next time we saw him, he came to beg for money to buy shoe brush and tins of polish. Because he, w- he wanted to start shoe shining business. So if you, uh, you know them, you see them go around. They are mostly Fulani men, you know, come from the north. They shine your shoes. You know why they shine shoes? That's the only thing they can do to earn money. I know some people want to interpret it, say they are infiltrating. I said, there are people that shouldn't even say that. If you are from eastern Nigeria, you shouldn't say that because you know your own brethren have infiltrated everywhere, selling something. Is it a lie? Your brethren are everywhere. They are there selling something to the Eskimo. <laughs> In northern Canada. If you see the corners of Nigeria, you will find somewhere from eastern Nigeria selling something. They have not told you you infiltrated. You know, my friend, of course, he's from eastern Nigeria, but he lives in the U.S. One day we were talking. I was just sharing this thing with him. We were discussing. He laughed. He said, Banky, is that not why we all travel? What am I doing in America? Now, I was trying to explain that in Enugu, you find a lot of people from the north. In fact, you know, the other day, my wife, well, she got a security company to do stuff for her. So they sent a security guy. They said, I saw the guy. I said, what's your name? I asked, where are you from? He said, from Adamawa. So what did they do for Enugu? He said, I came to find work. Really? Because where he's coming from, in fact, my wife has a particular teacher. So when they were, they were joking, the guy's from Mundo State. So my wife said, ah, but why didn't you go back to your place? You know, he finished school, finished NYC. Now he saw her advert online, so he came to get a job in Enugu. So my wife would just play with him. He said, why don't you go back to that side? The guy said, madam, nothing's happening there. <laughs> it was the way he said, he said, I beg, nothing's happening there. Now, and that is southern Nigeria. In, go up north, in most places, you know what's happening? Nothing. People have run away. There's, so, the people run down south. And Enugu, there's construction going on every day. So they come here to work. 
They didn't come here to kill you. They didn't. They are looking for work. That's the kind of story you hear from me. I've heard negative stories. I've heard of people who got, who got kidnapped, who got knifed, who got injured, who got killed. You just won't hear it from my mouth. Because it is not my duty to increase the bitterness in your soul. A lot of people will kill somebody one day, they won't even know. Because they've been angry. Just see the fool of the man crossing the road, just use your car. Knock it, come on, leave that place. The man will have hit his head on the curb and died before you realize that the bitterness you bottled up for five years finally did something. Listen, let me emphasize again, especially if you're a preacher. You have a ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you something. One day I was talking on radio. I finished talking. I forget exactly what we're talking about. Talking about prayer and, you know, make a long story short. One man called in and said, it's talk like this, that people like me talk, that caused them to oppress us. I said, who is them? Who is us? Because I was explaining things. Okay, I remember now. One of the things I explained that the pastor cannot compel anybody who to vote for. You can be in the same church. Based on your convictions, you vote for two different people. That you cannot, you know, that, it was like, ah, this is the problem. This is the problem. They are mobil, that they, the, those other people are mobilizing their people to take over power. Look at the kind of thing I'm saying. I said, like, you've jammed this. I'm not a political pastor. I am not. I'm not. I will preach the word of God. I am not here to be popular. I am not here to say things that are, you know the, the truth? In this our country, a lot of pastors have lost their anointing because of, because of politics. They have lost the ik abod. You know they call ik abod. The 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 the, the ikah has bordered the glory. The glory has departed. Why? Because preaching became politics, generating bitterness, anger in the souls of the brethren. Listen, you need to guard your heart. The Bible says with all diligence. Don't let any because listen. There's something else, point I was making at that time. Don't let anybody turn your heart to an attractive force for evil spirits. That thing I said then, I still believe it. I've meditated about it again and again. Over the last few weeks, what we saw, all the destruction we saw in Nigeria, I was not, I told you then, I wasn't particularly angry with the young men who were looting and, you know, destroying and killing. They were bad things. They were very bad things. Please don't get me wrong. But they were possessed. They were possessed. They were possessed of a spirit. They were possessed of an evil spirit. Who invited the spirit in? That's what I'm talking about. That's why all of us were guilty. That was where our guilt came from. We, as a body, invited the spirit in. We had the power to say no. We had it. And from experience, I've seen us use it again and again and again, and it has worked. The spirit riding, was it the black horse, charged at Nigeria with Ebola. We said no. He turned back. He said, charging again. He said, coronavirus. He said, my friend, get away. He turned back. He said, mm, second wave, Europe. You know Europe now? Serious lockdown again. Yeah. We, are, we, are, we are feeling this small, small. Not the, not the corona, it's the oil price. Yes. Yeah, because the lockdown, travel, like in the UK now, they say only essential travel. So demand for fuel again. Bam, going down. Airlines are closing, you know, they are grounding plates, planes all over again. So that's why you find that our country hardly sells anything now. Sell very little. 
Do you know even that one we can repel it? This is an unnatural consequence. It can be repelled. Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages. And do not hurt the oil and the wine. That's, that statement is loaded. You may think you have the analysis of how this led to this. But it's another set of horsemen. You hear the eagle riding and shouting. Two pounds of wheat for a whole day's earning. That is two loaves of bread. You walk morning till night. All you earn can buy two loaves of bread. That's what I say. It's a shout in the realm of the spirit. You can also pray to God and say no. And something will just happen. You know, when God has done things, eh, we start looking for natural explanations. Sometimes we find, but those explanations should not impress you. The truth is that God just said to show favor. See, eh? I'm not teaching about that now, but I've, I've meditated over time, and I am 100% convinced. We, as a people, especially the remnants, the Christians, those who have the word of God, we are the problem of Nigerian economy. We are the problem. We are the problem. We, bro, I'm telling you the truth. The economy will have been good. There's no reason why it's not good. Apart from individual wickedness. Lack of faith in the heart. So those who have faith every day, they are struggling to keep things going. Every day, those with faith, they are struggling to keep things going. Every time, I finalize it, every time God prospers us, I see our madness. Prosperity will come again. It will look, look, look. It's going to come again. By next year, oh, everybody, you know when a person walking to power that time, remember? That's when God just said, God blew better manner. Into the place. And we, you know the truth, we enjoyed it for a long time. But we went mad for a very, for a longer time. Did you, did you notice how average people around you were taking holidays in Dubai? I hope this is a sin. Somebody said, this pastor is, what's wrong with you? Now here somebody say, I was, I was tired. I said, let me rest. So I went to Dubai. You can't go to Joss. Abuja did not there. You don't go Kalawa. Abakiliki. If you go to the modern Abakaliki, you stroll at night, eh? the Holy Spirit will possess you. When you see lights, lights, it'll be like the one, the type that, and you know, the gates of the New Jerusalem, you know? <laughs> Please, oh, notice what I said. Average people. Did you hear what I said? I'm not saying traveling is a bad thing. I said what? Average people. I'm not pointing at you, all of us, oh. Don't say, Pastor Frankie, is it me you are talking about? Yes, you. But I don't know you, but it's you I'm talking about. But the truth, you know, we started having ideas, all kinds of ideas. Our iniquity starts manifesting. Okay, when this wife will get better small. At the third month, you don't need look of visa. May it go boom. Don't worry, it's not this okay, it's the other one. <laughs> there are hospitals in, in fact, you know, ticket money alone they used to travel. Eh? I could get you, listen, if you said that I want the child to be properly born, there will be no problem. Don't worry. What is Enugu? I will get you a professor of obstetrics and gynecology. I will get you a professor of pediatrics. And I will get you a, an experienced anesthesiologist to attend to your wife's delivery, if that's what is worrying you. But if I say, just give me that your ticket money. How much is it? One point something million. I just say, Prof, please. There's a delivery, 500K. Prof say, ah, why do you... Oh, what am I a professor for? Ah. What am I, Professor? For? Oh. Say, Prof, all you need to do is that the moment the woman here, you must be there. 
And until she burns in peace, you shall be the Egyptian midwives. Prophet said, 500 kids. I'm an Egyptian. <laughs> He said, thank you. You go to the pediatrician. Prof. 400k. For what? Just be sure the baby breathes well after delivery. I may breathe that. Just no problem. It's a take. You go to the anesthesiologist. Say, that woman must feel no pain. Say, I'm a deliverer from pain. 400,000 naira. No, she can't feel pain. In the name of two. <laughs> Have you seen that? Have you seen that joke of one man? One boy went and met one babalao. They went to do juju so that the boys, the boy can make money. So the man said, huh, Baba, this, this deal I'm telling you about, now heavy money, and when the money comes, half is your own. The man said, how much? The, I think the boy said something like, uh, it's a hundred thousand dollars. He dropped all the, all the opele, all the jai, put and they said, my son, give me your hand. In the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> He said, this one, we know they take jazz do up. Ah, we want, we want to share $100,000. This is not Jesus matter. <laughs> I have the jokes over there. <laughs> the guy knew that. I was there. Give me your hand. <laughs> the Lord is good. Sometimes what we are looking for, forget that thing, is, 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 we think the destiny of our children is tied to a particular passport. That's us worrying us. Sometimes we get to that particular point. You see, we start, listen, prosperity will come again. I'm just saying, when it comes, don't behave like that. That's all I'm saying. So in the land. Look, buy cassava milling machine for goodness sake. You say, why cassava milling machine? I don't know. I just say, buy something. Just invest. Do you get my, you know what they call an investment? That's what I mean. Only a blocking. I know you don't want block, but hire two boys to be molding cement, molding blocks. That money just wants to be using to be chopping expensive in different parts of the world. There's no need. If you say, I don't know what to do with it, then give it out. You know, if you have enough people with that mentality, God say, look, bank, your economy is not a problem. You have 200 million people, of which at least 100 million of them have some good purchasing power. What are you talking about? You have hard work. Yeah, useful economy. These are people that can produce, but the mentality is wrong. It's a milking mentality. Those who have faith in it are struggling every day to keep things going. Sometimes we look at some people, natural men that God blesses. You'll be amazed at why he blesses them. Some of them have more faith than the Christian. And the Christian will turn around and say, it's because the government is helping the person. But you know God can't help him. You that's grumbling, God can't help you. I hope you're getting my point this evening. Listen, God, listen. One of the guys that look, in our hearts... We have harbor things that can attract good. We harbor things that can repel good. And right now, as a nation, we need to be healed of bitterness. When you hear things, people, I don't know, I've never personally, and it's only once in my life I've personally heard, I stumbled into it once, Radio Biafra. I don't know. They are still on air or something. But I wanted to join me every day to cause them to die off air. Yeah, because you see, I don't care what you say. You can't be... I don't, is, is it really true or false? But I saw a post that said, um, the Jewish Bobo, the coordinator, said they should burn Dangote refinery down. Yeah, during this NSAS riot. Do you know? Everybody begin, when my classmates saw it, they begin to cause the person. Who be this person? 
Those who have sense say, what nonsense? No, 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 no. We will end you to <laughs> that is. Do you realize what we are talking about? The largest single train refiner in the world that's supposed to uh, to uh, to refine 600,000 barrels a day and the whole of Nigeria needs 450,000 that currently has an installed capacity for generator generation of power of 400 megawatts which is all that Ibadan DC needs you know we have EEDC here they calculated the uh, Ibadan DC all they need to give you power is 400 megawatts the land is sitting on is eight times the size of Victoria Island. Yes. It's eight times the size of Victoria Island. The value chain is going to generate people who walk there and those who serve those who walk there and those who serve those who serve those who walk there and those who eat from those who serve those who serve who walk there. Guaranteed to put this six or 16 billion US dollars annually into the Nigerian economy. Designed to refine fuel that will be used in any part of the world, including Europe, intends to market in such places. Then you evil spirit say somebody should go and burn it. May God burn you. Amen. I like that amen you say because you say you don't provoke. <laughs> you don't you don't provoke. No, there are thoughts that you don't cross your mind. Even if you don't like it, you say, we'll claim it. Is that not better? Yes. Oh no, call that Baba in the name of Jesus Christ. We collect it. Claim all kinds of things, but destroy what is wrong with you. So if it is destroyed, what will happen? You'll be happy? Oh, the Lord is good. Listen, we reject all forms of bitterness. Somebody say amen. amen. We reject all forms of bitterness. Amen. Husbands, you must not be bitter against your wife. Against anybody around you. Amen. Wives, you mustn't be bitter against your husband. Amen. Forgive. If there's anything that's inside your heart, approach the person and forgive. Talk about it. But bitterness must not be allowed to stay. In this nation, we repent of bitterness. Amen. The church has been bitter for a long time. Ever since our current head of say one election, she, you, know, you know they've been angry. They have been angry. Father God, on behalf of the rest of our brethren, we say we are sorry. Amen. Say amen. Lord, we are sorry. Lord, we say we are sorry. We say we are sorry. We know that you are the ruler. You appoint leaders. It's you. It's your appointment, not our appointment. All we are asking for is is a good nation. You know, a a, a peaceful nation. You know, where we can live in peace and preach the gospel in peace. That's all we are asking for. Lord, grant down unto us in the name of Jesus Christ. We repent of all forms of bitterness. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I feel like just giving each person like two minutes just by yourself. As I've been speaking, God has been speaking to you. Who, he, uh, no, who shall I send? Here I am, send me. Respond to the Lord. Bitterness against your father, time to drop it. Time to drop it. Bitterness against your friends. Bitterness against a man who jilted you long ago. A young woman who collected your money. You were engaged two and a half years. They started having, the Lord started speaking to her after you have finished helping her. And you are still angry. How do you know you are angry? You are hoping something bad will happen to her. It's not necessary. Come on, it's not necessary. Repent of all of those. Repent of all of them. Just take a minute and pray. Just take a minute and pray. 
still pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Sometimes it's so difficult, but you open yourself to the Spirit of God. He's our helper. Maybe you're not even the one hurting. Maybe you know somebody, your brother, your sister, angry against your father, your mother. Just ask that the Lord will heal the hearts of these people and cause, help them to forgive, to let them let go. Let's pray that prayer. Is a part of the nation angry against another part of the nation? Let's ask that the Lord will send healing. That there will be healing in the land. Healing in the land. For those who have legitimate reasons to be angry, to be bitter. Let's ask the Lord and say, Lord, heal the land. Heal your people. Heal your people. Heal your people. Your community was wiped out by a certain set of people. And since then, the people have been angry. Let's, you can pray for that your community and ask that the Lord will heal the people. Heal the people of that community. Heal the people of that community. Please pray. Maybe it's your, let's just take like 30 seconds, one minute to pray. Your sister that is angry, ask that the Lord will heal her heart. It's even possible it's not you, but you're just receiving this word for somebody. Your brother that is angry. It's even the way your father treated your mother. And since then, the children have been angry. Ask that the Lord will send healing into that home. Healing into that home. Bitterness, that spirit of bitterness, that root of bitterness is uprooted from that home right now. Love is restored. Peace is restored. Forgiveness is restored. In the name of Jesus, pray. Unity is restored to that home. The devil is driven out. And Jesus is glorified. Lord, bless your name for this word. Thank you for healing the hearts of your people. Thank you, Lord, for healing the heart of this nation. Lord, we give you praise. Even churches that are angry, the church is angry. Lord, heal their heart also. You know, some they born to a church, and that anger is still there. Lord, like Stephen, we pray, forgive them for they do not know what they did. In the name of Jesus. If you believe that um, the Lord...